if you've got situations, you can talk it over with the pastor, but before you talk it over with the pastor, you need to go to God. And now for a friend in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, was written by an Irishman who moved to Canada. His name was Joseph Scriven. He was a well-to-do man. He had wealth, education, came from a prominent family. He had a real good life in Ireland. He was the son of a captain in the British Royal Navy. He was born in 1819. After receiving his university degree from Trinity College in London, he enrolled in a military college to prepare him for an army career. However, poor health forced him in another direction, and he quickly established himself as a teacher. He fell in love and made plans to settle in his hometown in Ireland. Then the unexpected happened. On the night before Joseph Scriven was to be married, his fiancée drowned. The night before the wedding, his fiancée drowned. The night before the wedding, his fiancée drowned. In his deep sorrow, Joseph realized that he could only find the peace and support he needed in his dearest friend, Jesus. Shortly thereafter, he left Ireland to start a new life in Canada. He established a home in Port Hope, Canada, where he met and fell in love with Eliza Rice. And just weeks before she was to become his new wife, she grew sick. And within a matter of weeks, his second fiance was dead. A shattered scriven turned to the only thing that had anchored him during his life, and that was his faith. Through prayer and Bible study, he found not just peace, but a mission. He was 25 years old, and he dramatically changed his lifestyle. He took a vow of poverty, sold all of his earthly possessions, and vowed to give his life to the physically handicapped and the poor. Often he gave away his clothes and possessions to those in need, and he worked without pay for anyone who needed him. Scriven became known as the Good Samaritan of Port Hope. 
The story is told about him that two businessmen stood on a pier in Port Hope and on the street corner, and as a little man carrying a saw walked by, one of the businessmen said, Now there's a man who's happy with his light in life. I wish I could know his joy. Perhaps I can get him to cut my winter supply of wood. The other businessman remarked, I know that man. He wouldn't cut your firewood. He only cuts wood for the poor and those who are physically handicapped and cannot cut their own wood. Ten years after his second fiancé died, Scriven received word that his mother had become very ill. Because of his vow of poverty, he didn't have the money to go home to Ireland to help care for her. Heartsick and feeling a need to reach out to her, he wrote a comforting letter enclosing the words of his newly written poem with the prayer that these brief lines would remind her of a never-failing friend she had in Jesus. Sometime later, Joseph Scriven himself became ill. A friend who came to call on him happened to see a copy of the words scribbled on a scratch piece of paper near his bed. After reading the words, the friend asked, who wrote these beautiful words? Scriven said, the Lord and I did it between us. Ironically, Joseph Scriven drowned in a Canadian lake in 1866. He did not live to see his song carried to every corner of the globe, nor could he ever imagine that we would be talking about him right now and just have sung those words that he scribbled. At the time that he drowned, Joseph Scriven was my age. He was 67. And he wrote, What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. The man had lost two fiancés right before the wedding. He had suffered some serious setbacks and tragedy in life. John 15, verses 12 through 17 reads, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. These were the words of Jesus. But I want to point you right now to just a particular part of the words that we don't talk about. All of us have read this verse. We've heard it preached about. He says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. There is a 
qualification that Jesus put on that. You ain't just a friend of Jesus. He said, you are a friend if, you all say if. If is one of the smallest words in the English language, but it is a connector between what is and what could be. And that connector between what is and what could be is if. If you do what I say, then you are my friend. And that's a little word, but it's a huge word. It's a huge word because I struggle with that so much. When I go out to my office, we have a fountain there. And we have actually people who come from other places just to come visit our fountain because it's like nothing they've ever seen before. It's the largest wooden eagle that I'm aware of in the world. We have a statue of Jesus. We have two marble lions that were imported from another country. We have two stainless steel swords that are stuck in the back of the eagle because it represents the war and business and surrounded by a pond full of koi fish. But also at the fountain is the Bible speaker. And this is a speaker that plays a work that we had commissioned doing an audio version of the Bible. And it plays 24-7. And it plays random chapters of the Bible. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. And I walk past this Bible speaker, past this fountain, every time I go to the office, every time I leave the office. And we had, we had a company come out and they did some work on the fountain, revamped it, cleaned it out, restructured it a little bit. And, and I noticed that the Bible speaker was no longer playing. They had somehow removed it. So I got a new one, programmed it, put it there. It started playing fine. But I noticed that it was stuck 1,189 chapters, and it plays through all of these 1,189 chapters, and it also plays through the words for healing CD randomly. It may be a chapter out of Peter. It may be a chapter out of Habakkuk. It just plays randomly, but it was stuck. And every time I walked past it, I noticed this one chapter just playing, and it was the chapter dealing with the prophet Samuel and the reluctant king Saul. And I noticed that. I said, God has had me listen to the reluctant king because he's called me the reluctant king because I don't want to do what he tells me to do. So I reset it, reset it, reprogrammed it, checked it to make sure it was randomly skipping. It was. I walked by the next day, stuck on that chapter. I reset it again. I walked by the next day, stuck on that one chapter. I said, how in the world out of 1,189 chapters is stuck on this one chapter? And I knew what it meant. It was God trying to tell me, you've got to do what I tell you to do. Jesus says, you are my friend if you do what I tell you to do. And that's a verse we leave out. You got to do what he tells you to do. Now, when I noticed that, right now I'm in the middle of, well, I actually just started it this morning, started praying over the new batch of God heals all. I have to pray over that for an hour a day for seven days. 
And I also have five declarations of the things that God has told me that are coming that I just didn't want to do. And that's why I said, you're the reluctant king. And some of the things that God has commanded us to do, if you want to be a friend of Jesus, you got to do what he said do. Those are not my words. Those are his words. I just read them to you. You are my friend if you follow my commands. But when you become a friend of Jesus, it changes everything. George, he spoke this past Friday at his imagination station on basically what qualifies as a good friend. And I remember once when George was going to a particular school and the school was having some challenges and a lot of students transferred my wife said, she said, George, a lot of your friends are going to be leaving. And I never will forget his answer to that. He said, I don't need but one good friend. If you have Jesus, you don't need but one good friend. It's why even in my travels, God has told me, I want you to travel 80% of your travels either alone or with the woman. And I try to get the woman, but anyway, you travel 80% of your travels either alone or with the woman. And I've started to learn as I travel, if I got Jesus with me, there's just a peace that just, it is beyond understanding and comprehension. First of all, you feel you've got everything. Now, next week is my birthday. I don't need anything for my birthday. There's nothing I don't think that you can buy me that I need or want. I just got everything material. And let me tell you something. The closer you get to God, the less stuff you need. You just don't need all that stuff. And it becomes a walk with God and a walk with Jesus that, number one, you have sufficiency of everything in life. There's just something about it that you cannot describe. It's how Paul could be in jail and singing and rejoicing. The world has you believing you need all this stuff. You don't need but one friend. You don't need 10,000 friends on Facebook. You don't need but one friend. I think Facebook has a 5,000 limit friend anyway, but those are not real friends. Those are not friends who would lay down their life for you. Those are not real friends. Friends, And that's how the world will fool you, thinking that you need all. You really don't need but one good friend in the natural and in the spiritual. And if you've got a friend in Jesus, oh, boy, you got all that you need. But you got to do what he says. And when you do what he says, there's just something about it. And I understand the struggle with this thing. I really do. I understand the struggle because... I face it, and I'm dealing with those five things. And they're five great, phenomenal things. I just don't want to do them. When you reach a certain age, and at my age, a lot of people are retired or tired or dead. So sometimes your enthusiasm for all this stuff is you got this been that, done that syndrome. And God says, boy, I got places I'm trying to take you. I've got things that you have got to do for the kingdom at a whole new level. You know, one of my 
probably the favorite scene of all movies is Avatar 1. It was still, I think, perhaps the greatest movie I've ever seen. And I've watched this scene over and over and over. It's when the earth people have burned down the big tree and all of the people have scattered and everything is burning and the leader dead and the woman he was in love with mad at him because he's part of these people that had come in and done destroyed everything and he looks to his flying horse and he looks at the destruction all around. He said, we got to take this thing to a whole new level. And he had to fly above this huge old flying horse and jump on his back. And very few people had ever done that. But when you do that, they recognize it's a sign from the higher power that you're something special. And whoever could ride this horse, they would follow. He said, we got to go jump on the back of this horse. We got to take this thing to a whole new level. Sometimes God has for you. You got to take this thing to a whole new level. But he's there with you. You got a friend in Jesus no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you think you have lost, or no matter what you think you have to gain or what you think you want. See, a lot of people get confused about that verse that says, you know, when you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. When you delight in the Lord, your desires change. You don't want the same thing. Right now, what we want is all of this material, earthly, fleshly stuff. When you delight in the Lord, your desires change. And you actually start delighting in just bringing joy to other folk instead of focusing so much on what I want and what I need and what my desires are. Your desires change because when you walk with God, He's going to tell you some stuff to do. It's like when you walk with just a friend on earth. The natural wisdom says you become the aggregate of your five closest associates. You start to think like them. Your money starts to gravitate to their level. Even your body starts to look like them. Whoever you're hanging around a whole lot, your relationship starts to move in the direction of how their relationships are. So your five closest friends draw you to wherever they are and to whatever they are doing, they pull you there and you pull them to what you're doing. So you got to be careful who your friend is, but what happens when your friend is Jesus? Where does that pull you? Where does that take you? Where does that take your joy? Where does that take your peace? Regardless of what is happening around you, what happens when your friend is Jesus? And that song was that's why I wanted to read you the story of the writer. Because when you write songs, usually the songs are written out of your own pain and experience. You all know I used to be in the music business years ago and probably sold right at 100,000 records. That ain't a gold record, but it's more than 99.9% .9 of musicians will ever sell. And a lot of the songs that I wrote, they were personal. That's why I could understand Joseph Scriven. He had gone through those tragedies, but that song has lasted. 
And it has been sung over and over and over. But it had to be birthed out of pain. It had to be birthed out of him losing a fiance that drowned the night before they were getting married. And he ended up at 67, 52 years later, drowning himself. He went through pain, but out of that pain came the song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Because there's sometimes, you know, what the world is pushing now is a lot of therapy. And I'm not against therapy. To be honest, my folk need some therapy. If some of y'all out there listening to me right now, you need some therapy. You really, really do. So I'm not against therapy at all. Most of your higher level people, actually, they're in therapy. You'd be surprised. I had one big name person. Say, man, who's your therapist? Like, I, I, what do you mean therapist? He said, you got a therapist, don't you? I said, no. Man, everybody I know got therapists. I ain't got no therapist. I talk to the Lord. And that's your best therapy by far. But you got to have communication with him, number one. And you got to be willing to do what he says, number two. And that's the problem that most of us have. We don't have communication. And if we do have communication, we don't want to do what he says do. And Jesus says, in order to be my friend, you got to obey my command. If you're going to walk with me, you become like me. But I'm trying to take you to become like me. you got to do what I tell you to do. I'm trying to take you to be like me. Not be like Mike, be like me. And when we can learn to walk with Jesus, when we can learn to obey Jesus' commands, changes our world. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Philippians chapter 4, beginning to verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In my message last week, which was entitled Innocent Sacrifice Part 2, and it basically dealt with the abortion issue, I said that if we had of received notice that we were having a severely handicapped child, I probably would have opted for termination. And after the sermon, God said, no, you wouldn't have. He said, that's not what you would have done. He said, you would have asked me about it. And you'd have done what I told you to do. And when I heard that, I knew that was absolutely true. If you've got situations, you can talk it over with the pastor. But before you talk it over with the pastor, you need to go to God. But you need to have a relationship with the Father and the Son. And when you have a relationship, when you got stuff, you just go in your prayer closet and you ask God, Lord, Lead me, guide me, advise me. What should I do about this? 
Because our mind and our mentality and our thinking is limited, and we just don't know the ramifications and all of the stuff and what's coming down the road. We don't know that God does. You've got to have a line of communication. You've got to be friends. You've got to do what he says do. A man's daughter, he had asked the local pastor to come visit him because he was sick, very sick. And when the pastor got to the house, he noticed the man laying in bed, propped up on a couple of pillows. And there was an empty chair right beside the bed, and the pastor asked his, I see you were expecting me. I see you have the chair there for me. And the man said, no, I don't even know you. My daughter asked you to come. I don't even know you. And then the man told the pastor, he said, look, close the door because I don't want my daughter to hear this. And he closed the door. And he said, that empty chair there is for a reason. He said, years ago, I was in a church, and the pastor was talking about praying and communicating with God and Jesus. And I just couldn't understand any of that. I couldn't do it. I just had issues with trying to pray, and I couldn't connect. I just had problems. And I had a good friend of mine, and he said, look, why don't you just get a chair, an empty chair, and when you pray, put that chair in front of you and imagine Jesus sitting in that chair. He said, that's what my friend told me. And that's why it's important who your friends are. Because you got some friends that will tell you how to connect to Jesus, and you got some friends who don't even believe in Jesus. And who your friends are will determine the path that you go. So he said, my friend told me, just get this chair, put it there, and imagine Jesus sitting in the chair. So I didn't have anything to lose. I, I had a chair. I just tried it. And when I tried it, he said it worked. There was something about it. When I imagined Jesus sitting in that chair, I was able to communicate. I was able to pray. I could feel his presence. And before I knew it, I was spending two hours a day in front of that chair, imagining Jesus was there with me. And I asked you to close the door because if my daughter saw me in here talking to a chair, she may think I'm crazy and carry me off to the mental institution. But that's how I feel, and that's why I could feel the presence of God, and that's why that chair is here. And a few days later, the pastor got a call from the daughter. And the daughter said that her father had passed away. And the pastor said, I'm sorry to hear that. And the daughter said, but it's, it's a strange thing. He passed away in the middle of the night, just as peaceful. But when I went in his room, he had his head laying in an empty chair. And I can't make any sense out of it. And do you know, I got an empty chair in my room. I'm going to put that chair there. And I'm just going to imagine that's Jesus sitting there because he's with me. I know God has surrounded me with his protection. I know Jesus is with me. 
Some of you may need to try that empty chair because you're having difficulty praying. You're having difficulty taking the time out. You're having difficulty connecting because we're too connected with all this otherworldly stuff. You can't spend time with Jesus because your phone going off too much. You can't spend time with Jesus because you're spending too much time watching TV. You can't spend time with Jesus because you got all these other distractions. And one of the things it requires for a friend, you got to spend some time with your friend. So it makes a difference. But when you have a friend in Jesus, all of our troubles, all of our griefs, all of our pain can be placed on Jesus. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. But you gotta have the connection and you got to listen to what God places in your spirit. What a friend we have in Jesus. Christian, I'm going to ask you to re-sing that song and just listen to the words because, you know, this time of the year for a whole lot of people is rough for a lot of reasons. A lot of people are alone because they don't have that one friend. And the one friend that you can count on most of all is Jesus. A lot of people are alone because they don't have that one friend. A lot of people are in misery this time because they've lost someone. A lot of people are in misery because they got folk that they want to get gifts for and they run tight of money and they can't buy all these presents. Christmas is the season that has the highest alcohol sales of any season. Folk get drunker during Christmas season than any other time of year. When we ought to be a sober, sound man, we drunker than ever. Because we got the wrong friends. If you hang around with me, man, let's go out and get towed up. So you hanging with folk that's going around and getting towed up. And before you know it, all of the stuff in your world is following those friends who getting towed up. When you got a friend in Jesus, that friend will lead, guide, advise, protect, not just in this life, but in the world beyond. What a friend we have in Jesus. Christian, if you would, just... Sing that song again and just listen to these words and apply them to your world. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to
me cause we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Heavy trials and temptations, is there trouble So faithful, who will all our souls share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Cumbered with a load of care. Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Solace there in his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Amen. We're with heads bowed right now. If you can just harm that song as to the altar call. We've heard the message and heard the song. What a friend we have in Jesus. He stands at the door and knocks and waits on us with open arms. He's ready to be a friend to us at any moment, but we get preoccupied with life social media what other people are saying and we miss the best friend that we could ever have so on this Christmas Eve if there's anybody in this place and you hear the knock of your friend Jesus knocking upon the door of your heart saying, come back to me. I want to spend time with you. I want to sup with you. I want to talk with you. I missed my time with you. And if you want to just make a new commitment to that friend today and say, this year, going to be a better friend to you. Friendship works both ways. We need to be a good friend to Jesus. We don't need to just call on him and get on our knees when we need something. But we need to talk to him when the good times as well as the bad times. When nothing is going on, we need to talk with him. 
wake up early in the morning and commune with them. We don't want friends to just call us when they need something. So we shouldn't do him like that. The best gift that we could give Jesus back on his birthday is to be the type of friend we want others to be to us. He is both the giver and the gift. He's waiting on you today. He's waiting on you today. If you know you haven't been the type of friend that you should have been to Jesus, this is the best time to get it right, to make a new commitment before his birthday. He laid it all out and gave his life for you. How much more can you expect out of a friend than to give his very life? He's waiting on you today. He's waiting on you today crying out, saying, friend, come back to me. Friend, come back. I know you've been busy. I know you've been preoccupied. I know things have been going on. But I still love you. I still miss you. still want to spend time with you. Just repeat after me, those that have come to the altar. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word today. And I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me, to be a friend to me. I thank you for your mercy and times when I wasn't the best friend. I thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not leaving me. I thank you for always being a friend that I can depend upon. And I declare this year that I'll be a better friend to you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stretch your hands toward these as we just say a prayer over them. Lord, we thank you for these four that have come to rededicate their lives unto you, O oh Lord. I pray that you'll just come into their hearts anew, O oh Lord, that you'll be a closer friend, oh Father, than they've ever felt you, oh Father. Thank you, Lord, for just sparing their lives, oh Lord, and leading and guiding them, oh Lord. I pray that 
as they wake up early and talk to you, that they are here, they're still small voice, oh Lord, that whatever they need guidance on, oh Lord, that you'll lead them, oh Father, that you'll open their spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, oh Father, that you'll fill whatever gaps and holes may be in their hearts, oh Father, that you'll be a friend, oh Lord, that they'll need no other, oh Lord, that you'll fill them with joy and with peace, oh Lord, that no man and no therapist could give, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for just being God all by yourself, oh Lord. We thank you for giving us access to a friend such as Jesus, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for even wanting to be friends with us, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace and mercy, oh Lord, for your love. Seeing us right where we are, oh Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be Amen, amen. Well, our second appeal, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice and you've been hearing the word here and filling his spirit and God is leading you to join this body of believers and the doors of the church are open and we welcome you to come now for church membership. Amen. Well, you all can stand to your feet. Don't forget about our fresh brewed tea downstairs after service and we will have midweek service this week but um, pastor will be here at 8 in the morning so you can come out if you want to get together and just celebrate Jesus on his birthday amen ask prophet Dexter to close us out Just before we close, amen, I was sitting and, and when I was standing listening to the pastors and Pastor James, remember, and this goes along with the sermon, during this week, remember why we celebrate Christmas. Remember who you belong to and remember what God has already done for you. I was praying against tragedy. And this time of year, there are so many people on the roadways and, and even walking down the street that don't care who they hurt. So when you go out, just remember to put God first because he's going to buffer some of you. I saw tragedy on the roadways. But I saw angels buffering for protection of you and your family. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you are to us, oh God. And we thank you that we belong to you. God, we're going to ask that you just continue to have faith in us. Even when our faith wavers in you. We pray for direction. We pray for protection. We pray for guidance. We pray for your love and your understanding. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Let our hearts say amen, amen, and amen. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, A Friend in Jesus, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 2021. That's 2021. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 2021 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often, because brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.